Hello and welcome to the DM's Book Club, your favorite place for random Dungeons and Dragons knowledge that you want to put into your campaign or, quite frankly, ignore and just listen because you just need some companionship in your ears. I'm Ryan. We're here again to talk about some crazy stuff, particularly this week. And I am joined as ever by the architect of madness that is going to be this session. Fiona, how are you? Hey, hi. Um, Architect of Magnus. I'll put that on my CV, I think. That's slightly better than my normal job title. So (laughs) I'm good, I'm good. Into your normal job, that's the challenge. Oh, okay. Well, but without anyone realizing. Okay, I'll I'll do that. Slip it into the email footer. I'm sure you'd be fine. Oh my goodness, yes. Last time, and probably the session before that, I lose total track of the episodes and their orders because I am, of course, the bastion of reliability and organization that you depend on so thoroughly. But put that in your CV, yeah. <laughs> I really should. That, that is in my footer, I tell you. That's horrific. <laughs> We've spoken a lot about rules and options that people can throw into Dungeons and & Dragons and the campaigns and bond shots that they put in. Mm-hmm. So... What are we doing this week? <laughs> Not that at all. <laughs> so I, I've been thinking, because obviously a lot of the what we have discussed in the last two episodes is different types of like changing the adventure as itself. So we've got obviously in the player's handbook and the DM's guide, it gives you rules. And then later on, it says, just ignore the rules and put in your own rules, which is a great rule, I think. But... Mm. One of the bugbears I have in any sort of RPG game is that I quite like playing characters or in different settings that are not used to my own. But then there's always someone in that comes in and goes, let's add guns, let's add explosions. And I go, oh, God, I want to get away from that sort of thing. Not that my life is full of guns and explosions, I will say, but it just, I guess the way mainstream media is today, there's always a lot about gun control and there's a lot of stuff like that. And it's a political issue in itself, which we won't get too deep into because that's not the kind of podcast it is. So I have all that sort of baggage that comes with sort of that. (laughs) And then I read about the GIF. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, these are a fun caricature. I wanted to go into a little bit of detail about... Uh, the GIF or GIF, it depends on how you pronounce it, I guess. And mm. really think about like, what is their sort of role? Because it's, it's essentially, it's just one page in uh, Mordecai's Term of Foes. Uh, it's page 204. And essentially, it's a sort of playable race or playable monster that you could put into any of your campaign settings, whether it's a fantasy one, maybe it's a bit more sci-fi one, as they originally were a part of. And just... W- you know, probably try and fix it in somewhere. So it's a race that does rely on guns and gunpowder and explosives as their sort of main, not quirk, but main mm. thing. That's their, mm. that's what they're all about, essentially. Yeah, I like the use of the word caricature because that is exactly what I think these guys are in a funny way. And they've been around in D&D for a little while, I think. I seem to remember them in third edition when I first started. And mm-hmm. I don't know whether they were older than that but i mean they are ridiculous so i mean describe them if a gif walked into the room what would we be looking at well i think we'd all know if a gif walked into the room so to speak essentially imagine a seven foot tall hippo person and that's the first thing you notice it's a hippo uh, that's yep. bipedal second of all it's probably in military uniform so like the image that's uh, the drawing sorry in the in the book is absolutely amazing it is you know it really a, big, is. a big broad hippo person bipedal holding a musket in a sort of uh, very sort of i guess i don't know really what the term is but it's not necessarily renaissance sort of outfit but it's a military outfit which you go oh yes i've seen this in films i've seen this in certain like uh how could i put it colonialism sort of images and yeah. uh, 
that's one of the things I do feel is a little bit problematic because obviously when you think of colonialism, you think of the British Empire going, oh, jolly good. And that is, again, is that sort of caricature you, that comes out and then you're like, oh, there's been issues around that. But essentially, they come originally from second edition of D&D in a campaign setting known as Spelljammer, which everyone from the forums I was looking at yesterday, everyone really loves Spelljammer. But it yeah. turns out it's just D&D in space. In Spelljammer, you can play a whole different kinds of uh, sort of monstrous races. There's like beholders, there's like other kinds of sort of lizard folk that people can play. And it's interesting. I think it was that first sort of setting where you could play different races that weren't necessarily elves, dwarves, humans, etc. But you know, mm -hmm. in space, so it had all these different things. And I think it really opened up the imagination. And then ever since then, it seems to be like they bring back certain elements of Spelljammer, so like the GIF, into certain things. And in all the YouTube comments, it goes, this is great, but we'd like a fifth edition Spelljammer setting, please. And you're like, <laughs> oh, God. So yeah, so that's essentially where they are, they're sort of the origin of GIF are. And they, in that setting, were a playable race. Whereas this, this is more to have them as minor characters in your settings, as sort of yeah. hippo people with guns. I would say as a little add-on, if you ever want to play anything as a playable race and as a DM you want to make it into quite an easy conversion or to be able to let your players do what they want, the easiest thing you can do is basically just take the human stat block and replace it with whatever race you want. So if somebody wanted to play a GIF, it would be very easy to say, of course you can, just pretend you're a human. So we'd plus one to all the stats and then yeah. we'll just assume that's that's effectively what you do or maybe even a variant human or just replace one of the stat blocks of, of something already in the game. It's, it's definitely a really easy thing to do. Yeah, I, I, the idea of hippos in space, like that, that just appeals to me on a fundamental level. And <laughs> you're right, the artwork of it is just amazing. It's somewhere between a, a Napoleonic... Yes. uniform and it's not quite a red coat it doesn't have the long sort of coat but it's, it's that formal dress shirt isn't it there's um there was a time in military history this is going to be really boring but where yes. the armies went from being brightly colored decorated fantastical things to starting to wear camouflage and that was kind of around the time when guns became less about show and more about actual accuracy so mm. when rifling became a thing and you know muskets where you could get one huge brigade of about 100 people all armed with muskets across a field from another brigade and they would all be firing at each other for minutes and barely anyone would hit anything mm -hmm. because the muskets were so inaccurate and as soon as rifling became a thing and people could actually hit each other it became less of a thing about formation and more of a thing about make sure you're hiding so that nobody can see you because yeah. the weapons are really accurate <laughs> so this this is sort of that it reminds me of that sort of really bright dress uniform-esque yeah sort of ness to it and and the musket this guy is holding is just ridiculous i mean we we spoke about renaissance firearms last time around because they actually are in the dungeon master's guide mm -hmm. and i believe these are the same rules that are being sort of put in here mm -hmm. yeah definitely and actually just to go back to your point about you know you playing anything and i completely agree with that i think what i find interesting is that people are demanding to have it officially in these settings for like adventures league stuff i believe that's the case but then we'll probably go on to this quite a lot into the role-playing aspect of gif because i think there's different ways you can take it but i did think to myself why would you want to play a GIF 
for longer than a one shot because <laughs> there's a lot there's a lot in here and we'll go into the backstory of it but i just feel there's a lot in the gif itself even for one page that you need to keep consistent and to, to keep in your head it definitely has beautiful role-playing uh, potential but the actual sort of stats itself again they're good but it's like you could put any stats in and just be a hippo person if you see what i mean so so i just i just find it interesting that there is a, a real cry to be like but we want to play this officially you need yeah. to do the rules and you're like no as we've discussed before when creating like magic items or creating any anything a monster even is to do it test it doesn't work doesn't matter because no one will yeah. know you know yeah so. and not every race needs to have unique rules that change the game in some way as i say just use the human stat block it's really easy to do exactly. and you can easily sort of put them into the game they have an amazing background and as you say there are huge role-playing focuses and opportunities here so tell us a little bit more about who the gif are so the GIF are essentially a. Oh, I keep saying hippo people as if it's going to make it more as if it's going to make it more natural. It's not natural. <laughs> They're a culture of hippo people who are defined by their military. Essentially, when they are born, all the way up to when they die, every GIF has a military rank. They have a position in their society, and mm -hmm. they can only be promoted by a superior. So it's all about like we've talked about recently with like honor and also that sort of like very oh uh, you know chin up lads we're gonna do it. It's, it. It gets a very sort of militaristic sort of like a take on sort of Britishness. I would say I think maybe that's because we're biased because we are British, so we see this in everything we do. But they love guns they love explosions and they are actually very adept at creating explosives and stuff to the point where they are it describes them as being as intelligent as the average human but because their focus is so narrow on like gunpowder essentially like they will be happily paid for their services in kegs of gunpowder over jewels and over coin etc that they seem dim-witted in sort of quotation marks which i thought is very interesting like you would see someone who is dim-witted because they own a firearm that could really kill, or they are very clever at making stuff together. I thought that was just a very interesting sort of thing to think that this race is just so focused on one thing that you think they're, they're small-minded, when actually they're incredibly dangerous and you shouldn't mm. think of them as small-minded, I guess. Exactly, and, and renowned for what they do. Yeah, it's just this obsession with things that make big explosions and lots of smoke. And it's, it's funny because it doesn't at any point mention the fact that the guns or the explosions have to be potent or useful or refined in any way. It just talks about the fact that the more smoke, the better. The yes. bigger the bang, the better the weapon. So Loud and flashy is what I got down. So. Exactly. Efficiency perhaps isn't the prize attribute of these creatures. I think it's... Yeah. I, I, just, I just like the, the sort of image of them. So tell us a little bit more. So if you were to encounter one in, you know, in a random environment, do they tend to be solitary or do they tend to be sort of remaining as part of this sort of military? So interesting enough, they are quite social creatures, but in the sense that they are completely xenophobic and prefer themselves, which again, course, is, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, again, it's that sort of, a, of course. And they talk about like when they're in a unit together, they like it to be mostly GIF and they will refuse to fight other GIFs unless there is like a contract where they will sit out any actual fighting with them, almost like a gentleman's agreement, I'd say. Mm. And it does feel like, again, I have flashes of, you know, those sort of battle reenactments that you sometimes see on the, not necessarily the news, but you, you see, you hear about in America where they'll recreate battles, but of course everyone's good friends. It's just like, it's like nice to have a, a showy sort of battle. And like you said, they are very loud, very flashy. And it, it's almost like they are 
romanced by the idea of like guns and stuff which again is interesting when we're living in an age now where guns obviously are used for you know weapons of war and stuff but mm-hmm. these they they use it to show their what's like the word like it's it's used to be sort of just showing off their reputation look we have these but everyone knows that they're just like smoky they're just they just look cool like they are the special effects of the gift rather than but they are geared to they are trained and, and educated to with the techniques of war so they could do it if they wanted to but i think they the impression i got is that they are very much into the whole we like the reenactments we like feeling like we look amazing it's all about the yeah. look i think yeah there's a lot of internal reputation and i mean we spoke last time out about honor as a as a stat that you could throw into a campaign this is exactly. definitely the sort of regime and, and race and situation that you could put something like that in where what your character does is almost sort of the how they do it is almost more important than what they do mm-hmm. in terms of who they talk to how they build themselves up the ranks and yeah the image of just a huge fight going on between two sides you know an infernal battle where you've got demons and devils throwing themselves at each other and on both sides there is this huge squad of mercenary gifts this military regiment that's been hired for money that all only work together they have their own little battle group and they're fighting away mm. and then one crests a hill and sees another group on the other side and goes oh, oh blimey oh no. good to see you and they all put down their weapons and then just go oh i'm not fighting you i'll sit this one out yeah so blam and that's exactly it yeah it's i have to say there are clear character well yeah caricature is, is a good way of putting it but there are clear comparisons here between a sort of very colonialistic empire-esque sort of you know like that sort of gentleman's agreement yeah and I, I can see that sort of that style I don't think it's supposed to be a particularly flattering image that's what, and that's why I hope people get yeah. out of this completely because I yeah. feel like it talks about like how they prefer their own kind and it talks about at the end of like there's no honor in magic there's very few uh gift wizards or uh, spellcasters per se but they prefer oh no that's that's not our cup of tea, et cetera. When really in D&D and certainly most forgotten realms of campaigns, magic is such a well-versed thing. Like it might be rare, but it is a very revered thing to be either respected or feared. And the fact that the gift are like, we don't want any part of it. You think that, well, that's really interesting. And that's, that's really different. So exploring these sort of different uh, viewpoints, I guess, and getting them to play out. Like it, it just, there's just something about the gift seeing that they are, again, originally, again, space hippos, it never gets easier. Um, (laughs) They are about moving to different planes and knowing stuff, but they're like, oh, magic's not for us. No, thanks. And you're like, no, but that could advance a lot of your tech. Because could you imagine like a GIF in an Eberron setting, for example? Yes. They'd hate it. It would be hilarious, absolutely hilarious, because they'd have their own culture just ignoring Magitek, just with even bigger guns where they can fire even more bullets and mm-hmm. have even more smoke. Yeah, no, they are a sort of, yeah, the, the caricature is there to see and, and people should take it with the great, I think, the I pinch so. of salt of which it is intended. Yeah, the, the xenophobia and the inability to take in ideas outside of their own and, and the way they sort of do things. But I think they can be used to more comedic effect and to yeah. more interesting uh, sort of effects. So it's, I mean, I put them into 
my campaign that we're sort of running at the moment as, as I say, exactly that sort of empire that is very xenophobic and very um, militaristic in how they do things. And mm -hmm. I think, yeah, I mean, the no honor and magic is really interesting, actually, the idea that, as you say, there's nothing stopping them actually being spellcasters. It's just they just don't have any interest in it whatsoever. And actually leading on to that point of what you said about like, because we've only, and I appreciate we might, we might come back to them later, so, but currently in the campaign you're running is that we've only seen a, a fleeting glimpse of them. And only in that time, we're just like, oh my goodness, we want to go talk to these people, but then through various events, we've not been able to. And I think that's perfect. This is the thing. And that's why I was coming back to before, was reading all these comments about people going, oh, we want to play the GIF. It's, uh, why, why aren't they official? And I'm thinking they are such caricatures it's probably better that they are just fleeting. You know, again, it's that sort of, it is comedic not to play them and it is comedic to see them as the character. You're like, oh my goodness, do you remember that time we met the GIF? The one-off episode in the TV series of Star Trek, you know, where you meet the mm. characters and that they are so outlandish and are so different to how people expect them to be. Imagine if you had a GIF in your party all the bloody time. Yeah. No, <laughs> it would be it would be intense. I, I think uh, I think one of the theories I've always had about making a character is the idea that if you want to make a character with extreme social tendencies or ticks or a very strong personality, often less is more. Yes. And you should treat these things with like the idea that you're making a glass of squash rather than anything else if you if you think about you've got you've got water which is the average boring featureless character you know the human with no personality traits and sits behind a desk every day and that's all they do and the crazy attributes you want to bring into the character say the tragic backstory or in this case the xenophobic military past that comes with the gif you treat that as squash and and the more potent the character trait and the more extreme that it may be mm -hmm. the less of it you need to make the same end product if you if you just have that by itself it's going to be so impalatable after a little while that playing a character over a longer term is going to be trickier i think a lot of people rush into making characters who have very very extreme personalities yes and they don't work over yeah. a longer period of time because they become caricatures in themselves. Yeah. So the GIF, I think, are going to be one of those people where if you went full in, absolutely steaming in on the all of the different caricatures they've got, you would get very quickly bored of it. And people would get very quickly bored of your character and would find it a bit of a pain quickly. Mm -hmm. It's all about introducing subtlety. So you could have a GIF that is very pleasant and very friendly and, you know, is less of the sort of like, oh, magic uses uh, rubbish, mm -hmm. blah, blah. And, and every time someone casts a spell and more but just sort of quiet and if they say oh would you like this scroll oh no no not for me i've got bertha here it's fine and, exactly. and just with more of the it's a subtle approach to it i think that's where you're going to find more success with them absolutely yeah like i've definitely been in one shots and i i mean to be fair to an extent i've been like that's in a campaign where you have the strong personality but it's not necessarily tied to the culture of it it is the individual and i think it feels like almost like why people want to play this as a playable race is like oh it's an excuse to be x y and z and it feels a little bit oh what's the phrase it's like it feels like a lot of spotlight taking because you could be in the middle of a really tough negotiation and then you say my gift says well this is just a blah, blah, blah. and you're like oh that's ruined the whole tension it's ruined the whole moment 
it shouldn't be about one character. It should be about the mm. whole party in a situation. And and like you said, the less is more thing. It works in every situation. So I think the reason I sort of picked this as GIF, I feel like they are so outlandish. It's like, how would you justify using them in a campaign? And I think what we've discovered really is that, yeah, fleetingly for now as an introduction. And then you could even change all this. Like the military organization stuff, that is one thing. I mean, you could have it so that it is a certain order, a pecking order per se. Maybe it's not necessarily about using guns you could have a whole section of gif who are just purely gunsmiths and they're like they just like making them because they're like they're very good at the internet with oh but i'd not the battle no 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 i just mm-hmm. i like i like the tech it's very very good you know and you could again change it like that and just you know they are quite intimidating creatures you know they're seven foot tall hippo people who are as wide as they are broad and like in the stats itself it talks about you know head first charge it can charge at you um you know yep. you do not want to face these on the battlefield but maybe no. having one that's not necessarily for war or for battling in such a way they prefer the glory of it that could mm. be quite interesting as well yeah yeah they had first charge reminds me of sort of like using that portly wine weight to bowl people over rather than (laughs) anything particularly combat orientated so yeah let's let's have a look at the stat block of them Mm. a little bit so if i were to encounter a squadron of gif on the battlefield what have i got to watch out for what are are their strengths and weaknesses so they are going to be wearing um, breastplate armor so they have an ac of 16 so not impossible to hit but actually you know quite tough for lower level characters perhaps Mm -hmm. Uh, hit points are average is 60 so not a lot of health maybe for a hippo i don't know i I feel like hippos i don't know i've got hippos on the mind now so i just assume (laughs) they they're just the embodiment of health but not necessarily so like you said that sort of the wine weight aspect of it so maybe they're not as healthy as we suspect Mm. Uh, speed is only 30 feet so they're not necessarily quick per se they're the same as average everything else but here's the interesting thing all of their stats are positive or neutral there's no negative stats at all so like their strength is a plus four dex is a plus two con is a plus three uh zero for intelligence which makes sense because that's just the pure average like an average human is Mm -hmm. um plus one for wisdom and plus one for charisma as well which i find again it's that sort of interesting thing because you think well all these all this talk about their culture and wanting to be you know just the gif and not not necessarily uh poo-pooing the idea of um outsiders and stuff you think well they must be horrible but actually they're probably very charming creatures they're you know above average charming mm. so i thought that was quite interesting as well like there's not necessarily like because you can dislike someone who's perfectly charming mm. absolutely and i think that again that's to put into the role play of it that they're not necessarily evil creatures again their sort of alignment is lawful neutral they follow a code but it's a law unto themselves in the sense of like they know what they think they know what's right they don't necessarily listen to a higher power or anything like they only listen to themselves which exactly. is an interesting thing Charisma can also be sort of like a force of personality. I mean, even if Mm. these people aren't necessarily, you can have people with very high charisma that are horrible people. It's the ability to hold a room and the ability to inflict your personality upon other people. And if GIF are noisy and proud and boisterous and they come in and going, oh, yes, it's brilliant, wonderful, blah. And and you can see that being sort of relatively high charisma. Mm -hmm. No, I can see that. So challenge rating three is the Mm. example given. So actually one of these creatures 
is a decent fight for four level three characters. So they're pretty strong. They're, I mean, these are able combatants, I would say. So 60 health as well. Could you, if you, if you imagine level three mm. um, combatants trying to take one of these down, that's a lot of health. And mm. so, yeah, I, I can see that. So, I mean, the head first charge, tell us a little bit about that. I do like that. Yeah, so I'll read it out. So it says, a gif can try to knock a creature over if the gif moves in at least a 20-foot straight line that ends within five feet of a large or smaller creature. That creature must succeed a DC 14 strength saving throw or take seven bludgeoning damage and be knocked prone. So (laughs) it's the fact that it's an either or. So they could just literally sidestep uh, this this rhino as it rushes past or be like, take that damage and throw it. And like, it's not necessarily a lot of damage, like seven damage is fine, but being knocked prone as well. I think it's like, um, is it Thunder Wave? I think it's the one I'm thinking of where you do take damage even on a save, but it is that being pushed back and prone is the additional if you fail. Whereas this is an yeah. either or, but you're already going to be knocked prone because you've had like a, you know, a plus four strength creature run at you and just shove you over. Essentially. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's interesting because that's not an action as well. So if you're playing a, a gift, yeah. they close the, the, the distance, knock you over if you're not careful, you're now prone. Mm-hmm. And then they can attack you with with the longsword for instance and mm. suddenly they have advantage so they, they they have a lot of abilities that stack up i do i mean i just think it's funny Any, anything that sort of incorporates movement like that you can just imagine going oh bloody hell here we go and, and sort of run on voyage yeah <laughs> i yeah. say what are you doing down there stab get up <laughs> yeah no definitely and and it's interesting this is go on to the action points of view so they can multi-attack with their pistols which you know shoot shoot fine fine but they've got a load of weapons compared to like maybe a normal sort of monster certainly for level three monster you've got the long sword you've got a musket a, a pistol and grenades so that's mm. like that's that's four different options they have which again two of them or oh, sorry three of them are using weapons uh, or using stuff that possibly your party does not have access to so again it's like oh god they've got firepower and they can hit me from short and long range and it could be quite intense so there's there's actually a lot to this character so yeah yeah anything with a one a day feature is Mm -hmm. always interesting because you know they they always tend to be big opening round salvos the dm can pull out and really make the party go oh bugger right we've taken a load of damage change their plans and yeah fragmentation grenade each creature within 20 feet of the grenade's detonation that is the radius of i believe a fireball Mm -hmm. so it's pretty pretty big 5d6 damage mm-hmm. yeah for against level three characters that's enough to, to really do some serious hurt so mm. that's it is an interesting one i mean one a day is one of those things where if you had one of these in your party i could see it not being particularly helpful you'd need no. to carry a wagon of grenades behind them so they could restock maybe you could always home rule it i don't know but yeah so it's, it's a proper hell mary isn't it i like that idea. it's like oh it's my turn is it okay yep Ah. <laughs> <laughs> here we go heads heads down heads down friends <laughs> <laughs> but i think the thing that i miss about the static block and maybe you can read this a little differently to me but okay. when it says multi-attack it only says pistol attacks yeah so mm-hmm. the longsword and the musket don't get to attacks and the pistol does almost the same damage as the musket and almost has the same range as the musket mm-hmm. so it makes you think well, why are they not just using the pistol in all of their attacks? Like, mm. for me, I feel like the musket probably is a little bit of a wasted opportunity. Mm. Like, maybe the musket could have made up for that 
by maybe doing a little bit more damage or having like a sort of knocking prone ability or mm. do something that's a little bit different because to me doing 1d12 over 1d10 which isn't that much of a difference and mm. having 10 feet of extra range on a normal attack and 30 on a long range attack does that make up the fact that you're only firing once over two times mm-hmm. i don't know it just seems a bit seems a bit weird to me I guess it depends on how many GIF you're fighting, perhaps. Because And I, this is the thing, I think we're thinking of it from like, in an ideal situation, what would the GIF do? Because they are military trained. So you think, yeah, maybe they would use pistols, but maybe if you want to really go into that role-playing uh, element where there's a couple of them and they're like, okay, chaps, let's go. And then you have a couple yep. of them rushing in with the swords and then having a backup and having almost like a military exercise. Maybe that's what it's allowing for. So that you have these options. So it's not just necessarily shoot, shoot from a long distance. Cause and maybe it's cause you've, again, the image of a space hippo person shooting a pistol is like, Hmm. Okay. But what if they had this, you know what <laughs> I mean? So I think it's like, here is the sort of min maxing or the most damage they can do in a turn. Yeah. We also have this option as well for role play aspects so that's what yeah. i would i would say on that exactly i think i would i, I would be tempted to improve the musket a little bit and mm. i could think if you just for flavor if instead of a long sword attack perhaps you could have some sort of bayonet on on the gun so that you can yeah. combine the charge with some sort of tally ho and then just sort of, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, the idea that bayonets win the wars not people that's sort of really old-fashioned uh thought <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was it a guns don't kill people? A space hippo people kill people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the sheer force of hippo that that, that would do it. Um, <laughs> finally, it seems like the GIF have a little bit of a hail mary if they choose to use it. Uh, do they? What What are you referring to? The gunpowder by the keg option. Oh! Yeah, so I was like, I, that's not in the stat block. Uh, yes, <laughs> they do have sort of spare gunpowder in these kegs that just happen to have around. Essentially, they will light one of these kegs and then throw it up to 15 feet because they are strong, beefy hippo people. And with it, you know, it explodes at the start of the next turn, which makes sense because it's again, hell Mary out. And each creature within 20 feet must make a, a dex saving throw of 12. And on a fail save, you take 24 fire damage and not prone. And then you take half as much. And then every other keg within the exploding keg has a 50% chance of it. So you can f- imagine like if you were doing sort of a gunpowder plot S type thing underneath the space hippo parliament, uh, essentially, and doing something like that, just blowing up this whole room of, of, of mm. kegs and stuff. What, I mean, an amazing thing, but it, it could definitely seriously wound quite a few people if they're trying to like escape perhaps. That'll be that'll be a really interesting. Uh... Yeah, exactly. And I, I just have the image of, as you say, of like a sort of naval combat where they just sort of leave these things in the water to explode ships chasing them or fling them in trebuchets or mm. just anything to make really big bangs effectively. That'd be yeah. really good. Yeah, really good. So if you were going to put one of these in a campaign, then give me a situation. Like, would you create a character? Would you put them in as a race or a nation? Like, where would you be tempted to go with them? I would be tempted not as a playable race. I think I've sort of spoken to that going like, oh God, because otherwise I, I feel like then it means that players, if they if they die accidentally, but I want to play a, a GIF next because you've sort of enticed them to be like, oh, well, this this race in this world. So I think I would just make it as a not a playable race, but I'd have it in as a, a nation of some sort. And I think I would like to see more than just it talks about the military organization. So they're all trained for, for war, but mm. actually I'd like to see more about what I think 
gift or normally they are like the politicians of the world they they sit in chambers and they talk and it's very like oh jolly good that sort of thing basically they're all boris johnson uh mm. sat in a room and that's sort of like that the way they talk is about so i'd be interesting to see like a council of gif and you oh. go you know and you go and you say well there's, there's trouble here like, oh yes that sounds terrible doesn't it yes well we'll send we'll send somebody okay on your way now you know because yeah. they don't they don't like messing with the affairs outside of it but like Imagine having elected GIF, like again, the way the organization works, everyone has to uh, play a role and some people have to be the politician side to it or be the face of it. And maybe that's just too realistic for, for what we're going through in politics now. But I, I just, yeah. now that I watch like the BBC News like most days and see like the briefings and stuff, I'm like, oh yeah. Space Hippo is talking again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And and I, yeah, I could imagine some sort of space council with them on where the military ranking becomes almost like a sort of comedy moment in itself where mm. you're speaking to the council and the admiral's like, oh, yes, wonderful. Right. Um, Captain, would you go and do that? Oh, yes, Admiral. Of course I will. And they turn around and go, um, Lieutenant, could you, could you, do, would this? you do this? <laughs> oh, yes, Captain, of course. And then they turn around and go, oh, um, First Mate, would you do this for me? Oh, yes, of course, uh, Lieutenant. And yes, and then they just sort of keep going until it goes like the... all the way down. Yeah. <laughs> that would be cool. The other thing I was thinking of as well, because again, the big thing that comes to mind is uh, the Jadoon from Doctor Who. So they, they're space rhinos, technically, um, but they are very xenophobic in the sense that they are part of a martial law and they go mm. around and they go, hmm, your planet has been voided. You must, we're going to destroy it. So yeah, a bit like Vogons, essentially. But <laughs> again, because they're seven, eight feet tall, they're big. And to be fair, they have laser guns, so it is yeah. a bit. It is a bit more terrifying. But I just like the idea that again, the military preciseness of them of going somewhere and they're going, you know, boso roco or whatever it is they say. Again, something similar for the uh, for the gift. Like they they have to do some chants no matter where they go, and it's something really really silly, but it's very important to them because again, in the stat book, they only speak common and mm. no gift language, so yeah. everyone understands them. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. There's a <laughs> you just you just explain the the accent or do do whatever you want with it. Yeah, I quite like that in D and D. They they mm. try not to put too many languages into it. It's it's just a common. If you want to, you know, just any race can communicate. It's only mm -hmm. a couple of weirder races tend to have their own languages, which I, mm. I do quite like. Was there anything about this you would change, or anything you didn't like, or? It's very hard when it's only one page. And again, like I said, it's a caricature. So I think my, my only worry would be like, if people r really wanted to have them in their campaign, it's like, well, what is it for? Like, what does it add to it? Is it literally the comedy element of it? Or are you planning on exploring some of the themes that come up in this culture? Uh, so it's not necessarily anything I'd re remove. It's just more of a reminder of maybe being aware that as with all things, there is culture, there is background to it. It's like, why are you putting it in? Does it add value to the campaign and are your players okay with it? And like, again, that's the thing. When it's a throwaway caricature that you only see in one episode, that's fine. But if it's a longer, uh, more political campaign, perhaps, then maybe you need to consider it. The only other idea I had, actually, if I was going to implement it into a campaign, I've written it down as like the most dangerous prey mm. where your players wake up on an island and you're being hunted by GIF. You know, it's like the most dangerous uh, predator is man itself. But it's yes. actually, no, it's not, it's GIF. <laughs> and you have to you have to run and stuff like that. And that, that again, it's a one-shot in itself that the GIF oh, yeah. are like, oh, we just want some practice. Let's go target. 
nugget, you know. But then it has that sort of horror element to it when the caricature is so bizarre. And I think that's that's it. I think there's a mixture of do you do it for comedy effect or do you do it for more comedy effect balanced by the horror element that, oh, no, you're the target. Because I guess that's the thing. It's like, when are you going to, as your party, are you coming in to interact with them? Is it as equals Probably not. The gifts see themselves as much higher. And you need to really emphasize that saying these aren't necessarily nice people. Mm. And you they're lawful neutral. So they won't do anything outright deliberately to kill people or anything like that. They're not evil, evil, but like they're not great. There are better morals mm. to be to be have, perhaps. So yeah. that's the only thing that I would think about changing. No, exactly. And I think as the good thing is you can always sort of throw your own stamp on their morals and, and how they work and as i say it, it, D&D is yours to change and you can you can have some fun with it i think it's all it's a it's good in that sense now i really do like it and you mentioned that the vogons i think are a really good like caricature of they're more sort of bureaucratic and imaginative mm. lacking creatures but maybe that sort of reliance on military you could have some fun with um oh, yeah like you could, yeah. you could have um a gif because uh, obviously vogons are known for their terrible poetry so if you imagine like a, a gif poetry night it's just all about guns yeah <laughs> like, yeah yeah. I must get Betty. She is great. Great. <laughs> uh, they have 17 different words for types of gunpowder smoke. Yes. And like frothy. This... <laughs> it's voluptuous, this particular whiff mm. of gunpowder. Oh, yes. No, I like that. I like that. Gunpowder, <laughs> gun, gunpowder flavored tea or something that's just like. That, I think that, that is a thing, isn't it? Like, like, like maybe not, not gunpowder. I'm sure there's a thing that's gunpowder escorts. It's definitely, there's definitely a lapsang souchong, which is smoky, but I'm sure there must be. Oh, I'm going to have to look that up now. Not that I yeah. want to drink it, by the way. <laughs> <Got quit all>. <laughs> Not at all. But I, I think that that's the, the thing that came to mind for myself the most. I mean, in terms of other, other sort of things, I mean, if you ever want to get your head around the, the way that they these guys sort of would work, then really... You don't really need to go much further than real life examples of the, you know, the Royal Navy companies and and the, the Napoleonic Wars and and how armies interacted and moved around in that sense. Um, I think you could get some good historical examples of that. I mean, is there anything that you that came to mind in terms of, of other reading and other places you could go to get some inspiration on this? So you've just sparked off like a like a memory. You know how the sort of army and stuff has those posters every year saying "Join the army" or "Join the mm. navy." Can you imagine a GIF version of that? be great yeah. join us but only if you're gif uh that sort of uh yeah lord kitchener s type we need you um in terms of other things i'd include so obviously i've talked about the jadoon from doctor who there's like again lots of uh, episodes in the tv show about them and again that's one way of portraying them if you're thinking of space cops who look very very different who are alien in quotation marks then the jadoon there are quite good doctor who in general is a good recommendation if you're thinking of caricatures in general but aren't you you're not like, oh, I don't really want to look at Boris's face. The other great example is Nigel Formbury from The Wild Formberries, <laughs> uh, voiced by Tim Curry, who's, again, is like, oh, smashing. That sort of like, Marshall. again, someone who is very passionate about something. So he's very passionate about wildlife and being a, a documentary person, but it's completely like... Um, 
useless like his his he has a whole team around him, his whole family who help him create his documentaries but he is the the star and the personality but he is very much useless. it is a caricature yeah useless <laughs> is the best word for it so maybe having something like that where like as you said if you're having the gift pass orders from one to another it is that sort of aspect where everyone's oh jolly good smashing great yeah. and then passing it down and like never taking things seriously i think like everything is positive uh and not necessarily like oh we will we'll get the blighters haha another caricature you could be brian blessed essentially like the big booming yeah. voice yeah yeah um, basically watch any black adder that he's in or any any show he's in you're like oh it, brian's playing himself so oh, god it was the guy in black adder that was the he used to come and go oh yes it's me ha ha oh, oh, uh, oh lord, lord flashheart lord flashheart that's it right right <laughs> yeah comes through the <laughs> ceiling etc oh yeah so lord flashheart uh, rick mail that was and oh, uh, of course it was yeah. and uh, brian blessed essentially oh, very good portrayals of essentially it's british actors have big voices uh, we'll go with that. <laughs> it's the best stereotype you could ever, ever want. Thank you for that. That was, you know what, for one page, that was a lot to talk about. And that, yeah. was, that was a really, really good pick. I can't wait to keep putting GIF into my campaigns and watch you all try and deal with their endless military regime because could you imagine if we combine that with the uh, the honor score and you we have to keep rolling honor scores to see how well we do with the gif i, I don't think it will go down very well so ryan have you got anything planned for us next time what, what are we thinking about well something a little bit different we're going to be doing a little bit of a workshop together you and i as we talk about the idea of dming for the first time mm-hmm. so uh, one of the biggest step ups in D&D is, is the first time you try and, and do any sort of dungeon mastering and take controlling of a group. Um, you have maybe your own ideas for a campaign. You've never done it before. You don't know what to expect. And we've spoken before about using pre-built modules. And mm-hmm. I want to step us a little bit away into let's design our own first session for a group of four first level players. So we're going to have a look about building a little starting world about whether we go big and small for the campaign settings. We're going to be essentially going through different things to think about in terms of picking villains, picking encounters, how to balance things like treasure, putting all of the things we've spoken about before and doing a bit of a case study where I'm actually going to make you do a first first session with me so they're oh, going to be no. <laughs> what <laughs> homework no <laughs> no homework required no just turn up and we'll do it together turn up oh okay now that sounds fun actually that sounds again it's all those sort of things where i'm like yeah that sounds fun and then when i get them I'm like wow oh, but why <laughs> no that sounds really cool and again as you said it's it's always it's it's basically it sounds like just basic things that you should consider for your first session doesn't mean like you have to think of everything but it's always like oh if you've got run into a problem you've already got something prepared so that exactly. sounds, sounds really good exactly and- so guess who forgot to talk about social plugs etc whoops all right well we'll do it now you can find Ryan on YouTube on his channel, that's Ursa Ryan, where he does all sorts of amazing cool stuff with Civ, uh, especially Civilization VI with the new season pass, I think it is. He's also got a Discord and a Patreon, so go check out his stuff there. Me, I run What Am I Rolling, a twice-monthly RPG one-shot podcast. We release episodes every two weeks on a Sunday. 
And yeah, that's going well. So you can find it on the What Am I Rolling website. That's www.wairpodcast.com. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at WAIR underscore podcast. Both me and Ryan are in TBA Mondays, which is a D&D homebrewed YouTube series that comes out on YouTube at points. We're struggling a bit at the moment due to internet stuff, but it is really good and we highly recommend you watch it. So that is TBA Mondays on YouTube and on Twitter. If you want to follow that, that's at D&D TBA. Great. Thanks. That was really good fun. And thank you very much for listening, everybody. We will catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Ha, ha, ha.